Welcome to this week's episode of the Mindful Gaming Podcast. The question we're going to tackle this week is how to help the gamer in your life. So some of the episodes of this podcast are aimed at gamers themselves, and some of them are aimed at gamers as as well as uh, friends and family or parents of gamers. This falls into the second bucket. This is this episode is about how to help the gamer in your life. That might be a child, it might be a spouse, might be uh, a sibling, a friend. So there are two main things that we're going to touch on with this in this episode. The first is the idea of self-suppression. Now, self-suppression in in uh, the realm of video games is basically escapism. The idea is I'm not going to feel the feelings. I'm not going to address the feelings. I'm not going to try to advance through the feelings that I'm feeling. Instead, I'm going to suppress myself. I'm going to suppress my feelings, my thoughts, my fears, my concerns, and escape. Now that is escapism. That is not not necessarily the most healthy way to deal with uh, difficult emotions. That's the psychologist will tell you right away. Sometimes you do need to take a step back. Sometimes you do need to escape a little bit, but escaping is not. That's not the main point of video games. It's, it should. It's probably not the main point of of anything really. Because I'm going to read a, a quote from psychologist Professor Jane McGonigal um, from her book Super Better. You'll you'll notice that I've quoted from her quite a few times in these initial podcast episodes. So this quote, it starts with the idea of resilience and, and the, the opposite of the fact that that's the opposite of self-suppression. So she says, the more you play with purpose, the more resilience you'll have against all kinds of self-suppression in the future. Like all cognitive habits, self-suppression can become hardwired into your brain. Each time you self-suppress, you strengthen the neural networks that urge you to escape again in the future. So the reason I bring up self-suppression is something that Professor McGonigal said right there at the beginning. The more resilience you'll have against all kinds of self-suppression in the future, the more you play with purpose, the more you're going to have those benefits. So one of the things that happens is when we, when we don't when we're embarrassed or ashamed or or scolded about playing video games, we are less likely to play with purpose. <clears throat> we're less likely to embrace the benefits and the advantages of, of video games when we're constantly told that they're bad for us. And as we've seen in previous episodes, the fact of the matter is video games in and of themselves are not bad for us. There are ways of playing video games that can be harmful or destructive, uh, playing too often, too long, allowing video games to interfere with uh, personal relationships or, you know, things like that. That's just like anything, video games can be negative if used incorrectly, if you if not used very well or thoughtfully. But that means that when we demonize video games or uh, you know, oh, you're just wasting your time playing video games. When we scold, use guilt and other tactics to try to get um, the people in our lives, the gamers in our lives, to play less. <clears throat> that encourages them 
to kind of hide it and to they, they internalize these things, right? We've all we've all been there. We've all been told certain things that we do are bad, and and a lot of times that kind of you know that sticks. And absolutely the same is true with video games. So the more we demonize them, the less we're able to play with purpose. And the less we're able to play with purpose, the more we play just to escape. And the more and and then we just become the type of person who just escapes from feelings rather than addressing them and and uh, healthily <laughs> working through them in a healthy way. So what does it mean to play with purpose? We're going to talk more about that in a future episode, but the idea is to play and to recognize the benefits. So that's the first that's the first of the two things that we're going to talk about in this week's episode. The value of or the danger of demonizing video games to the point that our children or the gamers in our lives are unable to play with purpose. They're unable to build that resilience against the idea of just escaping. So the second issue, the second idea that we're going to touch on is, so what do you do? If it's not a great thing to demonize or to um, kind of harp on the badness or, or create guilt trips about video games, what what's the positive thing? What can you do instead? So I'm going to read from Professor McGonagall again. Instead of asking the gamer in your life to put the game away, here are some powerful questions to ask. And we're going to go through some of these questions. But I want to I want to stress the idea of these questions. So she says, if you have an avid game if you have an avid game player in your life, the best thing you can do for him or her is to start a conversation about the benefits of play and the psychological strengths of gamers. So this goes back to what we, we were just talking about, playing with purpose, embracing what you're doing and trying to get the most out of it that you can, instead of being convinced that there's no way to get anything out of what you're doing and that it's a waste of time and that it, you should be embarrassed about it. So here are some powerful questions to ask. One, what are, your most, what are you most proud of achieving in this game so far? How did you accomplish that? What strengths or skills did it take? I'll tell you what, this kind of a question is incredibly powerful because there are a lot of achievements in video games. Video games are hard. I've, I've used this, this statistic before and I'm going to use it again. Video gamers end up failing 75 to 85% of the time when they play video games. That's a huge amount of time. You try things and you fail. And you try more things and you fail. And you try and you try. And then eventually you overcome whatever you're trying to do. You figure out the puzzle. You crack the code. You, uh, you learn. You teach yourself the ways. The game helps you learn the ways that, uh, to beat the game. Or to beat the level or the boss. So when you get somebody talking about the accomplishments, the things that they've achieved, and get them thinking about what skills or strengths it took, they start to recognize, oh, you know what? I have actually done some stuff. I've stuck with something that was difficult. I've stuck with something even though I had a hard time and even though I failed a lot of times. But you know what? I, I can do this. I can do things that are difficult. I can do things that are hard. Yeah, that's that's the sort of conversation you have that that 
awakens realizations that maybe the gamers in your life didn't even realize. Oh yeah, I am strengthening skills right now. I am, I am exercising my ability to do this or that or the other. Question two, what makes this game hard? What are your strategies for winning? How did you come up with those strategies? Wonderful. We all know the feeling of working hard at something and being proud of what we're doing. And we also know the feeling of working hard on something and having someone come in and say, oh, that's all you did today? Hmm. Oh, okay. Or, oh, that's, you worked on that? Or, or not even finding out, not even asking what you worked on, just kind of ignoring what you worked on. Being able to talk about the difficulties of the game and being able to, <clears throat> to talk about strategies for overcoming those difficulties, not only does that allow the person to share something that's important to them, but it also helps them think through and process, wow, this game is actually a really hard game. And, and I've got some interesting strategies and I've tried out different strategies and I've, some of them worked and some of them didn't. What better way to prepare yourself for life than to practice confronting difficult obstacles and trying out different ways to overcome those obstacles and then overcoming them. Question three, how long have you been trying to complete this level or this mission? What keeps you going? Where do you find the motivation to not give up? fantastic conversation right there. Fantastic. Why, why haven't you given up? Where do you find the motivation to keep going, even though it's difficult? Well, I just, I just really want to beat this level. I, I don't want to stop until I can beat this level because I, I've worked so hard on it and I've gotten this far and I've this, there's this last puzzle that I need to solve and I just can't figure it out. Imagine having that conversation and compare that conversation with how long have you played today? Okay, turn off the machine. Unplug it. Take it, you know, you're done. Sometimes, I'm not saying boundaries should not be enforced, but I am saying compare the conversations. One conversation goes deep into a, the sense of accomplishment and the challenges and the, the strengths and weaknesses that the, the gamer feels about themselves. The other conversation is much more confrontational and probably unpleasant for everybody. Next question. What number are we on? One, two, three, four. Question four. What do you think this game makes you good at? Is there another part of your everyday life where you could apply the same skill or talent to solve a problem? So that one's interesting because you're explicitly encouraging the gamer to draw connections between what they're doing right now with the game and what they're needing to do in real life. I've seen this in my own life. There's a game that I've I've been playing called Space Engineers and it's it's a lot it's kind of similar to Minecraft in that it's an open world and you build things and you try to get them to work and I've also been doing some work on my house and a lot of the same skills a lot of the same strategies and the same practices that I use in Space Engineers I'm finding myself use when I'm hanging drywall or framing or uh, mudding and taping and these are things that are difficult and that I have, have not, I'm not really particularly good at. Just like building, uh, you know, a rover in Space Engineers is something difficult, something that I'm not really particularly good at. And something that the best way to learn is to maybe watch a couple of YouTube videos and then try it and then crash the rover 
and then fix it and then build it again and try something else. And then finally you get to get to a place where you kind of start to understand the mechanics and you kind of start to understand how, how these things work. Same thing for the game, same thing for doing the work on my house. Being able to draw those connections is something that not only helps you appreciate the time you spend playing games, it not only helps you play with purpose, but it also helps you internalize the lessons you're learning, the lessons that these video games are helping you learn, so that next time around, when you face that similar kind of problem out outside of the game, you're able to um, apply that lesson again. Okay, the last question. <clears throat> no, second to last question. I read today that gamers are better at X than not than people who don't play games. Did you know that? Do you think that's true for you? So this has a couple of different layers. One layer is that you, you have to be reading things that are positive about video games. There's a lot of it out there. There are so many articles, so many scholarly articles, so many um, kind of news articles about the many benefits that people get from playing video games. Type into Google uh, benefits of playing video games. Type into Google uh, video games and resilience, video games and self-efficacy. Uh, go to the Mindful Gaming website, mindfulgamers.com. No, I'm sorry, mindfulgaming.com. <laughs> Mindful Gaming is my website. You go to uh, mindfulgaming.com and see some of the articles we've written. Look at some of the research that's been done. That's the first step. A lot of times it's easier to, to follow the, the scaremongering, you know, articles about extreme circumstances where somebody uh, gets harmed by video games. Yes, that's true of literally anything in the world. Um, you can overdo anything. TV, exercise, food, uh, you know, water. <laughs> There's, you can overdo anything. Don't overdo things, but, uh, but do, you know, do be careful, of course, with video games, but focus, be, be able, be willing to read things that are positive about video games as well. And then the second level of that question is by asking the, the person, do you think that's true for you? Video games, video gamers are good at this and this. What do you think? Are you, are you getting good at those things? Are you getting better at those things? And then here is the most powerful question you can ask any gamer. And all of these questions come from uh, Super Better, the, the excellent book about video games and video gamers by Professor Jane McGonigal. I would highly recommend it. She's a, a wonderful psychologist. She's given a couple of TED Talks about video games, and she's written a couple of books as well. And I quote heavily from Super Better and Reality is Broken in most of these first episodes. So she says the most powerful question to ask any gamer is, can I play with you? Because connecting is always better than escaping. So I'll, we'll end on that note. The, the number one most important question, the most powerful question to ask any gamer is, can I play with you? We'll see you next week on the Mindful Gaming Podcast. The Mindful Gaming Podcast is a project of the Mindful Gaming Institute. I'm Dr. Jeff Swift, a PhD in digital media who researches the power of games to improve lives. 
Episodes of the Mindful Gaming Podcast drop weekly on Fridays. You can find us on Twitter at Mindful Gamers. Please reach out with questions, ideas, or comments over email at podcast at gamemindfully.com. That's podcast at gamemindfully.com.